Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Upward. This is a podcast where we share and highlight the stories of Asian Americans in corporate and business America. We share their career journeys, lessons learned in their professional experiences, and advice as an Asian American in corporate America. And this is your host, Min Kwan. Hi everyone, for today's guest, I have Christina Wang, who is currently an HR business partner at Shutterstock. Uh, we got connected via Subtle Asian Networking on Facebook, and we've already had a great conversation about the bamboo ceiling and differences in culture in the workplace, and I can't wait to get into a little bit more of the conversation. So, Christina, thank you for joining us on this episode. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, before we get started on all the questions, um, could you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you initially started your career in HR and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so um, in terms of my current role as an HR business partner, I um, do a lot of relationship building with senior leaders as well as, you know, employees really at all levels. Um, Some primary areas of focus, I guess, would be employee engagement as well as employee relations, performance management, talent development, as well as overall like organizational design. So seeing, um, evaluating like the way that we are structured and making sure that that uh, makes sense from a uh, efficiency standpoint, things like that. Um, So definitely a lot of different things Things going on each and every day, which I really enjoy. You know, when I when people ask me what's your typical day to day, and I my answer is always there is no typical day to day, right? But you know, it keeps things exciting and um, you know makes sure that um, you're doing something a little bit different in terms of how I got here. So I started my. Um, professional career at a smaller um, reputation, corporate reputation consulting company. Um, I was uh, an HR generalist um, focusing on talent acquisition, recruiting, as well as HR operations. Um, So I was lucky enough to get a lot of exposure to the the different um, operational aspects of HR, including payroll, benefits, compliance, um, that kind of thing. And it really gave me a very strong foundation to build uh, my HR knowledge. But at a certain point, I realized, you know, there's this tremendous opportunity to revolutionize the way that we work and really transform the relationship between businesses and people and to, you know, get to a position where I can influence that decision, uh, that relationship, I really needed to get some more exposure to the strategy side of things. And so Mm. I decided to make a change um, and and join a larger organization um, where I, you know, moved into a lateral HR generalist role, um, but was handling more of the tactical aspects of people strategy and um, was able to learn from a really great team there and, you know, grew quite a bit there and definitely would not be where I am today without Mm -hmm. uh, that experience and growth. Nice. Um, So, what goes into you know planning or a tactical um, people planning um, strategy, right? Um, how does that? What informs it, and how does that manifest manifest itself in a corporation? Yeah, so I think a lot, um, at least in in my experience, um, HR is becoming more and more of a data-driven function. And so employee engagement surveys and things of that nature are definitely very important in order to get a pulse of, um, you know, what's going on, what's the sentiment, and then crafting our uh, solutions around, um, you know, those pain points or um, different things that we identify through those surveys. So I think increasingly data analysis is um, 
um, you know, becoming more and more of a um, important skill set to have in HR. I think also being able to think creatively um, and, uh, you know, look at a problem from multiple different angles to see, you know, what is really going on. Um, you know, sometimes there's something that manifests at a surface level, right? But getting to the root of the problem is really important. So someone who's like, has that curiosity to figure out the why behind um, different things and uh, come up with inventive solutions, um, you know, is also really important as well. Yeah. That's that interesting. Your question? Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, what's, what's one of the most challenging problems or questions that you've had to answer or still answer or in the process of answering in in the HR world? Yeah, so I think, you know, in in HR, it's human resources, right? So you're dealing with humans, and there is no magic formula or fix for every person, right? Or Uh or people as a whole, right? Like, at a lot of times, you know, there's so many different nuanced situations and circumstances, that it's very difficult to like, you know, find a solution that fits everything. Um, And so identifying, you know, where you draw the balance between those solutions, where you are taking a more individualized approach, I think, especially now with um, the focus of diversity and and, um, Mm. inclusion in the workplace, right? There's the school of thought that's you know, we should focus on equality, which means everyone is treated the same, right? They're given the same resources and, you know, there we go, right? And then there's also Mm -hmm. the folks who um, believe in equity, right? So taking consideration of uh, where people are starting out, what their individual circumstances may be, and ensuring that, um, you know, we're leveling the playing field. And so, Um, There is that, you know, mixed dichotomy. I think there's also, um, even within the field of HR, there's different approaches. Like there are people who um, very much look out for the company and, and, you know, the the company is the hill that they will die on, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas there's also individuals who are very people focused and they um, see the strategic value and the business value of of centering you know, HR strategy around the people and putting the people first. Um, So I think there's a lot of like, those odd dichotomies that Mm -hmm. um, definitely are, um, you know, still areas to be resolved um, within HR, Uh, you know, so definitely, um, you know, a very nuanced and interesting field to be in. Yeah, um, you've talked a little bit about this people-oriented or putting, uh, putting people at the center of HR strategy and and uh, tactics. What does that mean in terms of the recruitment pipeline or whatever that means for you know movements within the company? Um, how does that kind of take form in your own experience, whether that be at your current company or in your previous experience? Yeah, so I think, you know, in terms of recruitment, um, I think it's important to make sure that you are um, making your job descriptions inclusive, right, and and mm-hmm. um, getting a diverse candidate field, uh, candidate pool um, in, in front of your uh, hiring managers or your recruiters and whatnot, and also really evaluating, um, you know, what are the um, things that we absolutely need for this role and what are some of the things that, um, you know, are more nice to haves, you know, where right. is um, diversity 
of experience, you know, maybe an asset versus, um, you know, needing someone with specific industry experience, things like that, um, you know, I think are very important. Um, I think rethinking the way that we're looking at different um, leadership characteristics as well, um, you know, especially I think uh, in Asian cultures, right, there are different cultural norms and expectations right. um, that certainly, uh, you know, may influence how we show up in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there needs to be more cultural awareness training or, you know, resources right. given to folks who are in these um, decision-making uh, positions. I think, uh, you know, part of being a people first sort of organization also uh, means, you know, having opportunities for growth and development for your existing talent, right? In addition to um, recruiting and and bringing more people in, what are you doing for your current talent in terms of giving them, um, helping them grow leadership skills or giving them opportunities to, to grow and stretch and um, things like that? Right. You bring up such a great point because also being at a big company like PepsiCo, this topic of diversity and inclusion, especially now, has come up pretty often. Um, but with so many people being present at the company, there's always more opportunities that come up to be more inclusive, more um, uh, more equitable in, in the corporate workspace. So in your experience and in your opinion, what's kind of the biggest challenge or barrier that corporations and companies or just HR teams face in terms of trying to balance, you know, um, diversity and inclusion and... <laughs> I don't know what, what I don't it, it's such a hard problem to solve and it doesn't have a single answer but what in your opinion is is the biggest ch- challenge and what is the biggest problem to solve for here Yeah I mean I think you know when you look at um the CEO population for the Fortune 500 right there's mm-hmm. a lot of um you know, white males, right? And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, in even in a lot of leadership teams, um, a lot, you know, there's a lot of um, homogeneity, right? And um, right. because of that, you know, I feel like people have um, their own experiences that they're drawing upon, even within HR, you know, it's uh, predominantly white and predominantly female. And so that certainly, you know, has its own unique experiences, right? And and if HR is creating policies, they're creating these policies that apply to everyone, but are through um, a specific lens, right? So I think mm-hmm. first and foremost, it's recognizing that not everyone has the same experiences, right? So it's important to right. understand different people's experiences, understand um, and contextualize, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, uh, racial injustice that has, you know, taken place in, in um, America as well as the world as a whole, right? And right. Um, acknowledging that and learning more about that. I think really at the root of it, it's education and accessibility, mm-hmm. right? Like um, for companies who are looking to, uh, you know, le- drive diversity, equity, inclusion um, initiatives, I think having accessibility to different resources that others who are more, who are less privileged may not have access to is definitely really important. You know, I think about like things like professional coaching, right? Like the people who need it the most are people who, you know, probably are first generation college students, right? Um, And, you know, may come from more impoverished backgrounds, right? Where they obviously can't afford 
to pay someone for that professional coaching, right? So mm -hmm. what can we as an organization do to like make that more accessible or provide those resources to all of our employees, right? But, um, you know, taking those kind of things um, into mind. So I think, you know, two big ones would be definitely education uh, uh, and accessibility. That's awesome. I think there's there's some power, there's a lot of power in putting the onus on the organization that someone is part of to educate and um, and really, as you said, contextualize the experiences and then the cultural norms that they've been a part of so far in their career. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, speaking of identity, um, moving on to a different topic in your experience, how has been, uh, how has being Asian and being an Asian woman colored your experience in the corporate workspace or in the HR uh, industry specifically? Yeah. So um, I grew up in a suburban, mostly white town, so I'm definitely no stranger to, um, you know, being the only non-white person in the room, which definitely happens more often than not uh, when you work in HR. Um, you know, I've been seeing more and more um, Asian Americans going into HR, which I am super excited about yeah. <laughs> um, because they've been so few and far between. I mean, I've gotten like recruiters who will like message me on LinkedIn for the same positions over and over again, because nice. I'm like the one Asian in the, in the region <laughs> who like speaks Mandarin, um, you know, so I'm glad to yeah. see like that more um, uh, Asian Americans are, are branching out into the, the field of human resources. Um, I think in general, you know, being a woman of color definitely gives me a rather unique um, perspective, especially being Asian, right? There's definitely mm -hmm. Um, some of that model minority privilege at play. Um, so, you know, certainly understand being in a, in a place of privilege and not necessarily, you know, being able to understand fully um, what it means to be Black in America or, right. you know, Latinx in America, right? Um, and, you know, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that our model minority status is incredibly conditional, right? But even if you yeah. take that out of the equation, we still face microaggressions in the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. We're still made to feel othered at times. Um, and so, you know, I draw on that and those experiences to uh, make, you know, I think they're all um, assets in that they make me more empathetic, they make me more inclusive, um, which mm -hmm. I think are definitely assets anywhere, but definitely in, um, especially in HR. Um, you know, I think it does help me see things from all different lenses, right, which is definitely mm -hmm. key to being as um, inclusive and objective as possible. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Well, first of all, what do you think is driving, this is a completely unrelated question, but <laughs> what do you think is driving the uh, increase in Asian American individuals um, applying for HR roles? I'm so That's an interesting question. I haven't thought <laughs> about it all that much, but I mean, for so for me, when I um, was going into college, you know, my parents um, were both accountants, and they mm -hmm. um, were, you know, like many Asian immigrant parents, um, they wanted me to choose something practical. Um, I wasn't a science person at all, so being a doctor was definitely not something I was gonna do. <laughs> um, so you know, there's like the business school and. Um, wasn't interested in number crunching all day. So that right. kind of left me with marketing, right? And right. <laughs> so I started off college as a marketing major. Um, okay. And, you know, 
found myself sort of be, to be the oddball out um, in most of my classes. You know, everyone was wanting to go to the Goldman Sachs's of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for me, it was I'm um, less of a like, let me look at my individual accomplishments, like as cheesy as it is. I want to to help people like I still want to yeah. help people. I want to make the world a better place. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I didn't really feel myself fitting in, um, you know, within uh, the business school at my college. And um, I ended up changing majors to psychology. Hmm. Um, And, you know, as I was uh, nearing graduation, a lot of people were going to grad school. I was like, I don't know if I really want to go into counseling psychology or make the investment (laughs) of like, grad school right after, you know, like 14 years of school, right. And so, um, so, you know, I was lucky enough to get into, um, HR. It was something that, you know, I figured I could do. Um, it wasn't like, oh my God, HR is so exciting, which definitely now, like I'm more of HR is so exciting and and (laughs) there's so many, much possibility. But, um, prior to that, it was more like, you know, I, I know I can do business. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily going to be my favorite thing in the world, but like it's doable, it's predictable, um, what have you. Um, but, you know, I think it's still that practical mindedness, right? That a lot of um, Asian uh, Asian Americans um, are, are looking for, right? And I mm-hmm. think HR, now that more schools have um, HR programs, you know, that are yeah. likely part of the business school, right? I think, yeah. uh, you know, it's becoming more of a, uh, you know, for, for those people like me who are like, I don't want to crunch numbers, but I still want something that's practical. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, so I hypothesize that might be one of the reasons. No, um, yeah. But I think it's really great. Yeah. Uh, more diversity in more uh, industries is always a good thing, right? Yes. Um, to speak on your second point about your experience as an Asian American female in in, in the HR industry, uh, you said it makes you more inclusive. Does has that um, this has this experience as you went through your career and navigated your journey in in the HR industry? Has that affected the actual work that you put out? And if so, how? I guess, you know, like in everything that I do, I try to make sure like, are we um, like, for example, when um, identifying certain tasks for task forces or um, groups to work on different initiatives, right? Like, are we making Mm -hmm. sure that we're giving everyone an equal opportunity to like participate if they want to, right? When Mm -hmm. I'm talking to managers who have multiple direct reports, you know, are they giving opportunities to work on a certain project to everyone, right? Are they, you know, being as equitable as possible in in presenting right. those opportunities? Um, so I think, you know, I'm definitely very mindful of, of that because there have been times that, you know, whether it be like a, a group project in school or, you know, what have you, um, where, you know, maybe I, you know, there was a project I wanted to work on and I wasn't given that opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, that's definitely one way that it um, shows up at at work. I think also just in terms of like um, being culturally aware and understanding that, you know, different people um, come from different cultures. And so the way that they show up or, or the way that they act in the workplace may be a result of that. Um, so for example, you know, um, in Asian cultures, um, 
we're often taught to like just keep your head down and do your work and um, not speak up or question authority or um, especially like to respect your elders, right? So Mm -hmm. to not talk back to them. Um, And so, you know, there may be a lot of times when um, the Asian person in in the room, right, is is the quiet one and who's not necessarily saying anything, but that also doesn't mean that they don't have ideas, right? right? And so, um, definitely try to, I definitely try to make, um, managers more aware that like, Hey, there are some cultural nuances here. So like, mm. I, I would advise you to like coach this individual, right. And, um, let them know like that it's okay to speak up, that you want to hear their ideas and, and things yeah. like that. Yeah. That, that was actually going to be one of my next questions because one of the most common conversations that I've had with not only people on this podcast, but with other fellow you know, Asian American peers is self-advocacy and speaking out at work, whether that be about an idea or just feedback during a meeting or just having you know ideas on the fly. Um, and it's because, it's because of that uh, very specific and very um, key cultural nuance of this tradition of keeping your head down, being quiet and not really questioning authority, that makes it so difficult for um, a lot of Asian Americans to speak up and, you know, advocate, uh, advocate for uh, themselves. So how do you think in your experience and in, in your view, how can other Asian Americans or anyone for that matter who feels that they are the odd one out in a meeting room or they are a part of a very small minority at work, how can they be better at being vocal about those opinions, how, no matter what the environment is. Yeah, I mean, I think it takes small steps at first, right? And having a supportive manager is certainly, um, you know, what's helped me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would have, um, you know, ideas that I would sort of quietly share with my manager first, and yeah. um, you know, over time. my managers would say like, hey, you have really great instincts. Like, don't be afraid to like speak up and share them with a broader audience, right? And things like that. So I think getting that um, affirmation is important, right? Um, Having open and honest conversations with your manager too and like uh, setting boundaries or asking for help when you need it, right? I think Mm -hmm. um, there's... I mean, I don't know for you, but like growing up, I feared failure like the most. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or feeling I still like. Do. <laughs> right, right. And or like feeling like you're not good enough or you're not mm-hmm. adequate or or you're um, incompetent. Right. And so right. there is that fear that like your manager will, will um, think that of you. Right. But it's also important to recognize that like if you're not meeting your deadlines and you're not. Um, doing a project correctly or you don't have the right resources or answers in order to get something done you're not setting yourself up for success right so you kind of have to like ask for these things in order to like help mitigate against that that failure right and so um you know i think it's important to uh ask for help when you need it and and um you know, do so in, in thoughtful manners and like, obviously don't take advantage, right? But right. like, it's okay to ask for help and to like, let your manager know like, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Like, can you help me? Can we like walk through it together? Um, things like that. Because also it's better to like, you know, have your manager walk you through something and like, then you can sort of handle it autonomously after that versus like you doing something wrong, your manager like, 
catching it and then having to like re-review everything that you did and then potentially mm. having to do that over, right? So like, I think it's important to like kind of think about things like in a, if I do this, what's the consequence? And like, where do I find that optimal mix of balance between that, I guess? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think those are all really important things to like consider. I think, you know, in terms of tooting your own horn, I think that's also another thing that many Asian Americans struggle with, right? Like there's always this sense of modesty and humility and like yep. wanting to make sure that the entire team feels like, you know, are getting credit for things. And I certainly struggled <laughs> with that in my yeah. Um, last job where, you know, I, I had implemented and managed our internship program. And for me, I knew I like was doing the whole thing Um, and no one knew that it was just me until like, you know, it finally came out (laughs) at some point and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe like people didn't know it was just me. Right. And so like, you know, I think that was kind of a wake up moment for, for me and that like, Hey, I need to like toot my own horn a little bit more and like let people know when like I am single-handedly doing things and Mm -hmm. you know whatnot um and I think it's important to also like keep a win log of like feedback that you're getting or um things that you have contributed to that like have led to success um you know within your team or your your company right and and having all of those together especially like if you're a company you're at a company that does um you know um half year mid-year reviews um Mm. annual reviews right these are all things that are um important and good to keep track of so that when you um when it comes time to do your self-review right you can pull all of these things together and like Mm -hmm. have this very comprehensive um review um and and like you know, show your manager, hey, this is everything that I did, right? Because they also have, you know, managers also have a lot going on. They're not going to remember every, you know, thing you did or, you know, whatnot. It's just not realistic, right? So you have to sort of take the lead on on your career and make sure that your achievements and your accomplishments are being seen. Yeah, I think what you just said, and um, it's also a a very similar advice to what my previous manager gave me was tooting your own horn. Exactly that. Um, I think. uh, I think I literally sent my uh, my manager an email once and was like, just wanted to toot my own horn a little. (laughs) No, that's that's an awesome phrase. I've never heard that phrase, but it's an awesome phrase to kind of um, capture the essence of of what we're trying to say because I, I agree that we oftentimes kind of under underplay our achievements and really don't advertise it. But one thing I did realize in, in this corporate workspace is you got to be a little bit selfish. You got to promote yourself mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, otherwise, no one else uh, will. Um, and I think you bring up, uh, you bring up, oh my gosh, <laughs> you bring up a <laughs> nice point about positive feedback, right? Um, knowing what kind of accomplishments you have, having a win log, what role does negative feedback and negative or identifying your weaknesses and opportunities, I guess, have in a corporate workspace, whether that's in your mid-year review, self-identifying your opportunities? Um, what what kind of what how is that viewed in your opinion and what kind of value can it have? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's it's good to ask for feedback on a continuous basis, um, you know, especially prior to your, like your mid-year or your annual review, right? Because at that point, you can't influence, um, you know, what's showing up on that official record, right? So definitely encourage people to like ask during their one-on-ones with their manager or like after they've completed a project, right? Um seeking feedback on what I did well and what I should continue to do, right? As well as, um, you know, is there anything you think I could have done differently or better or, you know, whatever. I think these are all really important in, um, one, demonstrating that you're willing to learn and you're being thoughtful about asking for the feedback and proactive about it, right? Um, Right. But also is, you know, important information for you to have to continue to grow and continue to uh, develop and get better, right? No one, like, is born knowing all the answers and so, like um, all of this information is just like additional knowledge for for you to help you grow. Mm. Um, I think, you know, in terms of um, when one makes a mistake, right? Because everyone, we're all human, right? We're right. all uh, prone to make mistakes. I think it is really important to like take ownership and to, um, you know, figure out what went wrong and to own up to it and um, figure out how you're going to like mitigate and mitigate that that same error going forward, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, how you're going to fix the current situation. I think those are all really important. I think a lot of times like people's um, immediate reaction is to get defensive, right? Or right. to like blame something else or someone else. And I think that's really not healthy in the workplace. You know, I think cultures that have a lot of blame placing like it's not productive and Mm -hmm. it's just not a healthy culture I think it's really toxic Um, and so you know I think we all have to do our part in taking ownership when we did something wrong and we know like we made a mistake right but let's just focus on how to fix it going forward and I think that's also like you know for me I'm a very solutions oriented like let's work together to like get things done um, type of individual. And like, you know, obviously there are things that I don't necessarily um, have a line of sight into, but like I'll notice, right? So Mm -hmm. like pointing out a typo or something, right? Um, And so I'll flag it to other people. And like my intention in doing that is just like, let's correct it, right? But like, I also can't help like when other people um, get defensive about it, right? right? But I imagine like how much better it would be if they were just like, oh, thanks so much, right? Like, so mm-hmm. I try to be that person who's like, thanks so much versus like, oh, well, blah, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you just have to realize that they're not, whoever's giving you feedback. It's not personal, right? Right, like, it's exactly. just like a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's for your own growth. And I when I see mm-hmm. it that way, it's just so much more constructive because I take it in. And, and even if that wasn't my int- intention to be seen that way, it's valuable feedback because it means that someone's seeing you in a different light than you think you are. So it it's all for your own development and it's important to keep that in mind so and i think it's also important to recognize that like hey this person took time out of their day to like give me this feedback right and so as much as i don't want to hear it or like you know it it makes me feel bad in this moment like they are like if they didn't think that you were someone who is worthy of their time they wouldn't have taken the time out of their day to like um to talk to you and to give you the feedback or give you suggestions, right? And so I think that's important to recognize too. 
that's a really good way of looking at it. I think looking back, even just like the small, short pieces of feedback, even, like even by email, it's just been so helpful. Like you should, you should like try writing your emails this way or like you should try to do it mm-hmm. that way. Like it's just so helpful just to kind of get through those nuances and uh, subtleties of working in a corporate workspace. So I love mm-hmm. the way you, way you frame that. Um, so as we kind of close off this section, we've obviously touched on many aspects of what we would like to call the bamboo ceiling. And in your experience, are there aspects that we haven't touched on that uh, really does contribute to this bamboo ceiling? Or um, what what does the bamboo ceiling mean otherwise to you other than, you know, being your self-advocate or struggle to being a struggle to be a, a self-advocate, tooting your own horn, stuff like that? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with like what values were taught growing up, right? And um, there is, I think, you know, within corporate America, there was kind of this um, uh, assimilation needed in order to like succeed and and excel and climb that corporate ladder, right? Right. For me, um, you know, I think there's definitely a lot that's um, shaped how I show up at work, right? And in like, recognizing different cultural norms or expectations. I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I guess, lucky in a sense in that I've always kind of been on the outspoken side. So, but it's also like, you know, difficult to know what you should say and what you shouldn't say in the workplace. Right. Right. Um, So like, I, I think it's still been a struggle for me. um, But, you know, I at least had that like rebellious side, I guess, growing (laughs) up, right? So, um, you know, I wasn't a stranger to like speaking up even when it wasn't, you know, a popular opinion, which, you know, I'm sure other people do struggle more with, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's recognizing like, hey, what are these things that I need to do and like why and like reframing how you're um, thinking about things, right? Like um, Mm -hmm. with the whole respecting your elders thing, you know, it's important to like be able to speak up and like, you know, there's more that elders can learn from you too, right? And it's almost like recognizing mm-hmm. your own worth and your the value that you can bring, right? And and um, seeing like speaking up as you wanting to demonstrate that value versus you like going against someone, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is like reframing things, but at the same time, I think it's also important to like, recognize where those values are coming from or where those behaviors are coming from, right? And and determining what you're comfortable with and what like your non-negotiables are, right? Um, I don't think that, I think, you know, like as a entire workforce, like we do need to be more cognizant of like these cultural differences and, um, you know, embrace them a little bit more, right? Because there's definitely, um, a certain value to be had in having diverse leaders, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's that aspect of things, right? But there's also like, you know, you need to get to a certain place of power in order to influence that. And so there mm-hmm. is a little bit of that assimilation that needs to happen, right? Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting. It's interesting times, right? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there is more awareness being made around like these kind of these kinds of topics, right? I think there definitely is value to be had in, in um, you know, leaders with more of an um, Eastern value set, right? I yeah. think they are more likely to be like the leaders who try to lead by influence versus like authority and like things yes. like that. And so, um, you know, I it'll be interesting to see how the um, workplace demographics evolve um, in the next 
decade plus. Mm, very excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. And as we um, go into our next section, I know that you've been a very active member of you know multiple groups online, just kind of providing your advice and support for anyone who's going into the corporate workspace, especially on Facebook. Um, I know that you've offered a lot of advice for future HR individuals and just people who are just going into the um, uh, you know, corporate workspace. So what does, for you, what does mentorship and community mean and what kind of power does it have for you? Yeah, so I mean, I definitely think there's a lot of power to be had in, in community. Um, it's also interesting because, um, you know, when I was growing up, I never really felt like felt like I had one, um, you know, growing up in a mostly white town, like, you know, I was kind of that other, right? But then also I went to Chinese school on, on weekends and um, also didn't really feel like I fit in with the other Chinese American children because everyone was so focused on grades and competing with one another. And like, I found it really difficult to like make meaningful connections. Mm. Um, and, you know, so like, it's always something that I really wanted. And so, you know, now that I am in a position where, you know, I have, um, knowledge and information to share, like I do want to um, be a helpful resource to people, right? I think going back to what I said earlier about the accessibility piece, right? I think, you know, there's room for all of us at the top um, and we need to work together to like shift the workforce demographic makeup, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's important to like band together and share information together and and help one another um, to, to get to where they want to be. Um, so I definitely think there's a lot of power in, um, in community when it comes to mentorship. You know, I definitely, you know, want to serve in any way I can in terms of helping others, especially um, professionals who are just trying to break into HR or are earlier on in their careers, even like for newer managers, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, definitely always like trying to help there. I'm still trying to figure out how to get a mentor of my <laughs> my own. Um, yeah. So if you have any tips there, definitely open to, <laughs> to learning. Um, but, you know, I think with uh, virtual events, right, and virtual networking, it's definitely, for me at least, as an introvert, it's made things easier um, to, to make those connections and to meet more people that I probably ordinarily wouldn't meet. So, mm. um, you know, I think it's important to, like, get out there and um, to you know, share your knowledge freely with others, right? And and um, I feel like that kind of puts good karma out there, right? And hopefully we'll like reap rewards for, for you in, in some other way. Yeah, uh, definitely with you on that mentorship point. I think there's so many mentors who are willing to be mentors, but it's hard for mentees to find the right one just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like finding the right one. It's you just, there's some, even if they're great mentors, there are just sometimes um, where you just don't click and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But, um, same with you on, you know, trying to find a mentor. So if anyone's <laughs> out there, <laughs> we're right, looking for exactly. mentors. <laughs> uh, the more, the better. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, one of my last questions for you is, I know that in the recent months with the protests uh, for racial equity, Black Lives Matter, um, I feel like there has been a lot of solidarity with the Black community. And I know that you are part of initiatives like Hashtag Hire Black. And Mm -hmm. what inspired that kind of involvement? And what does the solidarity with the Black community mean to you? I know this is a sensitive question, but um, uh, very curious to see what you think. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, as a whole, there is a lot of anti-Black sentiment within the Asian community, right, which mm. I think is yeah. really, really unfortunate um, and honestly quite disappointing, um, you know, especially yeah. when you look back at history and you think of the Black Americans who led the civil rights movement, right, who played yes. a pivotal role in establishing a lot of the um, freedoms and privileges, you know, immigrants and children of immigrants are able to enjoy today, right? They've shown up for for us, right? You know, it's really about time that we also show up for them. And, you know, we need to stop fighting against one another and, right. and work together to dismantle systemic racism, right? Like racism still affects all of us, right? Um, and, you know, going to the point I made earlier, like, the xenophobia that stems from the outbreak of COVID-19, right, has shined this glaring light on how conditional the Asian model minority status can be, right? Yeah, like absolutely. that status can be stripped away from us at, at any moment, right? And so we need to do more to like really impact systemic change. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's important to like stand in solidarity with other minorities, right? And band together and help one another. And, um, you know, I think there, again, there's room for enough for all of us at the top, right? And <laughs> yep. um, we really need to stop like this us versus them or like mm. whatever um, framework that we've been operating in, in terms of like, you know, wanting to help with initiatives like Hire Black and um, and whatnot. You know, I think I think you know similar to to volunteering with uh, Subtle Asian Networking, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I feel like there is a certain amount of knowledge and um, information that I have that can be valuable to others, and so um, to the extent that I'm able to give back to these other communities, like you know, I I certainly want to make myself available and and help in any way I can. Yeah, um, you bring up such a, such good points. I think um, th throughout history, the Asian community has only benefited from the actions and activism of the Black community. So I don't. It is disappointing to see this us versus them mentality. I think there's a lot to be changed, and I'm I'm glad that we're having these conversations now to um, look for a bright future, brighter future. Um, and yeah, I think. Uh, this community piece is so hard, um, and especially in the corporate workspace where there is so much more space for uh, people of color at the top. Um, so mm -hmm. very excited to see what how the landscape changes in the next few years, hopefully Definitely. sooner than later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, my last question for you is, what's next for you um, as Christina? Um, is HR in your future? uh yeah what, what's in the what's in the near future for for you well so i um recently became a mod on subtle asian networking oh, so congrats. super <laughs> exciting um uh you know in terms of elsewhere um you know i'm i am trying to um you know, embed more of diversity, equity, inclusion principles in like how I show up in, in HR, um, you know, definitely looking to embed that more and more as, as time goes on. I think there's um, a lot of figuring out like, you know, how does DEI and HR like relate um, and, and how can HR help empower DEI and things like that. And so, um, you know, definitely, I think interesting times ahead and um, you know, I, I 
am trying to remain optimistic. And um, I think, you know, there is definitely um, momentum being built for mm. uh, enacting, you know, widespread change. So um, I am holding out for that. And, um, you know, certainly uh, think that it's important to like, make sure that these conversations continue to happen, right? And that um, yeah. we're, we're continuing to think about how we can uh, show up for one another and, um, you know, make the world a more equitable place. Yeah, well, that sounds really great. Um, best of luck. And thank you so much, Christina, for joining us on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Upward. You can find Upward on your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're following us on social media, including Instagram at Upward underscore podcast for updates on future episodes, Breakthrough Asian Americans in Corporate America, and just for updates on the platform itself. 